Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast, the audio version of our Facebook Live series, Art Talk Tuesday. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and I am so excited that you're here to catch the weekly replay of my laid-back yet very inspiring conversations with other full-time professional artists. The purpose of this series is to show aspiring artists like you that it is completely possible to make a great career out of this art thing. And if you ever want to join us live and have your questions answered in real time by myself or featured guests, then just hop over to facebook.com groups slash artist academy every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. I'll see you there. This episode is sponsored by the Artist Academy Advanced Membership, a program for artists who want to up-level their art game by taking it from a hobby or a side hustle to a full-time art business. I've been a professional artist for over five years with paintings in several different countries and a client list that includes high-profile companies such as Bass Pro, O'Reilly's, Duck Commander, and many, many more. So I figured out what it takes to build an art business, and now my heart is set on teaching aspiring artists like you to do the same. Go to advancedmember.com, that's advancedmember.com to learn more. This episode features Alaskan artist Susan Watkins. Susan is yet another amazing artist I met on a Bass Pro Shops job site. And even though we've worked together several times, I never knew her story of how she got started in the art world until this live interview. Susan entertains us with her plein air tips, artist residency experiences, and many wilderness stories living up in Alaska. Let me know what you think about this week's live art talk with Susan Watkins. The first thing is just if you could just kind of introduce yourself, tell us a little about you, um, the people who don't know you, um, and just maybe how you got your start and what what was the tipping point that took you from hobby to professional artist. I don't know that I've ever heard like all of your backstory, so I'm excited to hear as well. <laughs> well, there's a few and for all of us, probably there's been, you know, journeys and processes and I've uh, been around the block a few times. As far as uh, getting into art, I think that anybody that you've talked to, yourself and any artists that are here and involved and in your art group, um, we all had a love and a passion of, you know, doing drawing, getting our fingers into things, you know, finger painting, what have you, as kids. So I'm not going to delve into that too much, except to say that I had to stay after school in first grade and, and erase the first mural that I ever did. <laughs> what? <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, I had some little classmates that were in, enticing me. I think they kind of figured out I could draw more than just a stick figure. <laughs> And so I did some depictions of the teachers that weren't very favorable. And in chalk, chalk, thank goodness. Yeah, I was able to do a little bit more anatomy at that time than most most first graders. So, yeah, I had to stay after school in tears. My parents took me down there back to the school. We didn't live too far away. And with a hose and a scrub brush, I erased all the chalk drawings, which fortunately were just on slate. But that was my first, that was my first outdoor or public art project. It didn't last very long. <laughs> but um, when I was a child of the 60s, I loved art. I was involved with artist groups. Um, took my first oil painting class when I was nine. Uh, my parents did decide I had some potential um, even after the chalk drawings. <laughs> and maybe I needed more formal training. So I did that. And then, but my father and mom both encouraged me to go more into the sciences direction oh. than into the liberal arts or fine arts, hoping that I would always have a career along that field. And that was okay. I was marrying a guy in the Navy and uh, we were traveling a lot. So in those days, we didn't have internet. We didn't have all this cool ways of communicating and promoting our work everywhere from no matter where we were. So if you kind of think about that, uh, so whenever we moved into a new location or I landed in a new location, I uh, tried to join the local local artist guild, Mm -hmm. did workshops, you know, to do some things to put into shows. I always 
kept my figures in it. I won't really say that. It was more of a hobby, more than a hobby. It was still a passion. And I still did things, you know, for fundraisers and stuff, but it wasn't full time. Uh, that kind of grew because every time you moved, you had to start over again. Yeah. An artist had to have a following, a local following, make a name for themselves, and then that would kind of catch on. So, uh, you know, the internet really changed that. Then um, after being involved, actually, uh, in diving and living the underwater world and doing some of that kind of artwork, and then also continuing with working in the hospital setting, which also my background is in nursing, um, I would continue to paint and do shows. A doctor actually saw some of my work, commissioned my work. An interior designer he was working with to build his beautiful new home commissioned me to do a mural. And that was my first uh, real commissioned mural. Uh, that was about 25 years ago. Um, I was terrified because up to that point, I probably, the largest canvas I had probably done was maybe a 30 you know, 34 by 38, something like that. Yeah. So I started looking up, how do I take the idea to the big wall? Yeah. And I found a workshop in Vero Beach, Florida. That was there. It was put on by Faux Effects, actually. It was a trompe l'oeil workshop. Okay. Uh, most of you probably are familiar with trompe l'oeil, but that is a very old technique of painting from the medieval times. It means a uh, trick of the eye in French, and that's where you're taking, you know, you, and you've seen these old murals and these paintings and all where it looks like you're walking into it. Okay, yeah. So it's a very, okay, yeah. it's to take the 3D or the flat visual appearance and make it look 3D with painting. So I thought, oh, that'd be cool. He wanted an Italian scene. So I knew that was going to mean, you know, marble mar arches, all that jazz, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> and she was doing an Italian, you know, study workshop. So I went down there and spent a week and got some great ideas about how to take back to the big wall, did his dining room. And he was pleased and that landed some other commissions. In the meantime, I was working in uh, the hospital setting. Like I said, I worked as a restorative nurse with stroke patients. I had a little tiny office that they had created for me with just no walls, like a broom closet. And that was driving me crazy because I had to have a window. I had to have that outside space. Yeah. So one day the administrator came by and he's looking at me sitting at my little desk, you know, in, in this little room, dark room, not much lighting. And he's like, you know, boy, you, you uh, really could use something in here, uh, you know, a window or something you know, paint. I said, yeah, paint. And he's, I, he's like, well, yeah, you could. And then I said, well, do you mind if I come in on a weekend and paint my office? He said, no. I said, be my own time, my own paint. He said, sure. So that weekend I went in and I painted <laughs> a trompe Mediterranean scene, <laughs> arches and porticos and looking out on the Mediterranean. You had the terraces, the red tile. I had plants hanging all around because I didn't have any plants. We didn't have any lights. So I had to paint the plants. I even painted my sandals, my shoes, like I have less left the office um, in the water. <laughs> so like, you know, it looked like that realistic look that you use for Tumploy. Yeah. And when he came back in on Monday, his mind was blown. He did a double take. Next thing you know, I had the hospital staff going by, the patients going by. They wanted murals. That was really a great, um, a big leap for me as an artist because I could take my passion in healthcare into in art and work it together. Um, and, and excuse me if I'm running on so long, but no, anyhow. this is great, story, I love it. What that led to was such a wonderful tie-in. Um, they wanted a big mural in their cafeteria. And again, you probably even at, 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 in, in your generation have seen the changes in public buildings and healthcare institutions. They have gone from being so institutionalized to really bring in an art. Well, it wasn't like that back then. Um, these poor patients, they were long-term. They weren't going to leave that building, a lot of them. Many of them had had strokes, needed rehab, but they may not progress from that. And in that building, it was old, horribly pastel, faded colors and, um, you know, just wallpaper and stuff. And I said to them, you know, just because they're old doesn't mean they don't like color anymore. Oh, you know? yeah. Why do you think it had to be soft and muted? If anything, they want more color. They missed that. They missed it in their lives. So they said, well, would you paint? The administrator came back to me and said, would you paint a mural in there for them? I said, sure. I said, but they need to be involved. 
I wonder what they want. And so we had a meeting and I mean, they had definite opinions. Oh. It was about residents and they were like, we wanted the beach. We can't get to the beach anymore. This was North Carolina. They missed Hatteras. They missed fishing. They missed all of that. Oh. Um, so the whole scene, it was huge around the cafeteria. Um, like they were laying, some of them looked like the backsides of the little ladies were in their chairs and looking out on the ocean. And then there was one of the old res residents wanted to be on a Hatteras fishing yacht. So he's um, pulling in a Marlin. And it was just totally fun all the way around. And then on one side of it, I painted like an old crab shack, like they're old kitchens. I mean, these were, you know, they, they grew up going to the water. Um, they grew up cooking uh, seafood and stuff. So I painted like realistic Tabasco sauce and <laughs> Ope seasoning on the shelves because you couldn't have any of that out. They weren't allowed to have any of that out. So it made it like their kitchen in a crab shack. Mm -hmm. um, my husband didn't make the comment when I turned one part of the wall that was going into the kitchen area it was kind of a hard treatment with an area that stuck out. And he said that, um, you know, what are you going to do with that? I said, well, I'm just going to paint that into a dock and make pylons and everything. And so it looked like the dock's going out there. And he said, mark my words, some of your other patients, like particularly we did have some Alzheimer's patients, they're going to try to go out on that dock. <laughs> and sure enough, sure enough, I went into the cafeteria one day and two of these little dear little ladies with their walkers were up against the wall like, well, Mabel, I think we can go out right here. <laughs> <laughs> so but you know what that was they could still feel like they could you know they still had that feeling like we can get out of here yeah. you know and so we, we created that space we created that space and then that just grew I was doing gardens for some people I ended up doing an old Blue Ridge lodge scene in there so the whole building ended up being painted and then I got contracts from that for, from Duke Hospital for pediatrics from Eastern Carolina I did the rehab facility so it grew and grew I had a nice business going and then my husband said guess what we're moving to Alaska <laughs> uh, you know that was 15 years ago um, and that was great again as an artist who could not love art Alaska and I knew what we were getting into and I did love to paint nature and again come up uh, came up here and things kind of got started again for me um, a tidbit to um, the artists out there that want to know how to kind of get into this and get your name out there is when I arrived in Anchorage, I knew nobody. I didn't have any, you know, painting contacts, but my husband was working as a contractor with a mental health group and they were building a children's trauma unit. Again, ugly walls. And they said, you know, they're redoing that room. Do you mind if I mention that you would come in there and do a mural? I'm like, no, heck no, that's a great idea. He said, you know, it would be for gratis. I said, sure, you know, it means something to me. Again, I love that tie-in of healthcare, well-being, anything to kind of change an environment for somebody in a positive way. Yeah. So I did do a mural. Again, get out there. I did one for, for free. You know, I provided everything, but I had people walking by, people seeing what I was doing. And you, you know, you can probably relate to that. Just get out there and, and put something out there. Next thing you know, I had four or five other hospitals that when they opened the facility were contacting me. And then from that, I got, you know, through the artist community and um, the uh, store in town that they had, we had one really great art store and they so supportive artists, they would pa pass my name on. So that led to other things like hotels in other types of residences and, and public art. Yeah, yeah, you, uh, you do a lot of those um, public art things, um, or like, or uh, you do a lot for like the uh, percent for art too? Yeah, uh, I just, I just, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna see if you wanted to like maybe explain that a little bit, because I kind of just really realized what that was in the last couple of years. So I, um, I bet a lot of people in this group don't really know what the percent for art is. If you want to just explain that briefly, since you're so versed in it. Sure. Um, I'm in kind of a mecca for that up here in Alaska, because they're still always building and we get federal money for, for different things. But um, when federal dollars are involved with a, a type of project, uh, there's been a national ruling that 1% of the money spent on that building, that construction, has to go to art. That's where 1% for art comes from. 
um, what's involved to, to land those, and they're often very lucrative, is, uh, you know, professional uh, portfolio, website, images, proof that you can do the job. Often you have to really put some time into the proposal itself. Mm -hmm. What you're at, you, sometimes they don't even have an idea what they want. Mm -hmm. They just want something. And they'll tell you what the theme is as a building, a hospital, or, um, you know, uh, a, a um, what other one? Oh, Fairbanks Library. I did that one a few years ago. Something like that, where they're getting some money funded. Um, they'll often say that they don't know what they want, but this is the theme. You know, the, the, there's always a planning committee. Um, there's going to be the, um, the project coordinator. There'll be the construction people will be involved. The designer will be involved. And there'll be a couple other perhaps artists or local people on the board, board members. They'll, and many of them have different opinions. So that part of it is always fun working with that. But there's uh, online solicitation. There's online um, announcements. Typically in the area where you are, you can go on and find out what's going on. There's a site called Cafe. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Call for Art Entry. Yeah. And then you, of course, you need to keep that updated, keep your photos in there, be ready to fly if you see something of interest. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid, you know, you're going to get turned down. I've been turned down a lot. I've had a couple of come through and, you know, but if you don't try and you're not going to get anything. Yeah. Right. Definitely. So it's a big headache. Like I spent so much time um, on this and then it felt in it. I didn't get it. Um, sometimes the project will request only um, proposals from local artists. It might be just statewide. It might be regional. It might be national. It might be international. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. So I did, I did just get one now for a hospital in Bethel. Um, can only get there by bush plane or well plane. There is a, a small commercial plane that goes in there. Um, it's way on the western part of the state. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's an, and it's a native community. I love doing stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I was tickled about tickled about that. One sometimes in these in the application process, there'll be different stages where you might be selected then as a finalist. And then as a finalist, you might get, um, they, might, they might pick out of everybody that submitted, they might pick four artists as finalists. And then they may pay you just to submit something. Oh, like a, um, like a, a rendering. And then that kind of makes it worth your time then to have spent hours putting together a proposal where they want their resume, they want your mission statement, yeah. they want your ideas, they want a, a cost, you know, proposal sheet, they want all that. Yeah. So... Um, Christine asked, um, what, what is it? Is it, is it cafe.com? Yes. It's call for entry. Okay. okay. Yeah. C-A-F-E.com. Yeah. And that's one of them. Okay. That's one of them. I also get a lot of information from my, uh, uh, state of Alaska artist, um, organization. And I imagine each state has that too. And they will put out, uh, requests for art. And uh, sometimes it's state funded, it's not necessarily national. And sometimes it's just a community thing or, you know, fire station wants some artwork or whatever. We also have a um, art bank through the state of Alaska, which some other states might have too, where every couple of years they'll ask for, the um, organization will ask for uh, pieces of art that they keep and rotate throughout public buildings. That's a good way to get your name out too and your artwork out. Yeah, definitely. For sure. That, that is a good way. Um, Andrea Palmer says, what a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing. And I agree. <laughs> that was amazing. I had no idea that, about that or about you. So I'm so glad you shared that. Yeah, I love how like, I feel like in Bath Pro too, we all work together so much, but nobody knows like our backstory. Like like Melvin talking to yeah. him last week. That was so cool. Right. <laughs> how do you get to where you are? And sometimes yeah. it's just, you just happen to be in the Right place at the right time. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, but I think having a passion, you know, we were all passionate about our work, but having um, a niche is important, you know, for me tying it into some of the things that I believe in mm -hmm. has been, very, it, it's worked. Yep. <laughs> yep. It worked. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So 
what makes up your typical work day lately? Like how many hours are you painting lately? Um, are you kind of taking it more mm -hmm. easy or what is your, what's your, what's your schedule like? Very, you know, it's a, kind of a roller coaster, yeah. as you well know, when you're on a job and I just got off a job about a week, a couple of weeks ago, um, I would, I could paint for 10, 14, whatever hours, especially if I was going into a building like where I was, um, where um, they're doing a lot of construction during the day. And I know with Bass Pro, we worked a lot around construction, but um, this was a secured area, you know, where, it, where there would be nobody there at night. They had security, but I didn't want to be there while a lot of other things were going on. Um, it was a, a sensitive facility for, for a special victims unit that's where mm -hmm. I was painting. So I, I wanted to be isolated from that. So I worked it late. Mm -hmm. So I worked and I'd go in so on that particular job. I would go in two in the afternoon and work, you know, midnight, one, two o'clock in the morning, just so I could be there after hours. So a long job, you know, it could be, you could, I didn't, you get into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you keep going. Yeah. Um, or sometimes I may just come home and chill out and work a few hours on something. I do like to paint outdoors too. I like plain air painting. Okay. I think that kind of keeps me fresh and keeps me my skills going to, to just go out and you know throw some paint on the uh, canvas or like I like to use birch panels and capture some light at the end of the day you know just you make me it. want to I, I have a little, cla have a little class going too sorry uh sorry uh, um I, there, there's like a, a two second lag in here so I, I start talking when you start talking um but oh, okay I uh Sorry, uh, I was like, you, your plan, your plein air paintings make me want to do plein air paintings. I'm like, man, that just looks so relaxing. <laughs> uh, I want to like so take Emily out there and be like, let's just go for a hike. Let's just go. <laughs> well, you guys, you've done that, right? I think, and I think Emily has. It's really fun. We got plein air easels at one point. I think we both ordered them. I have about four or five now. I try keep juggling with what works. Uh, last year. I did a plein air festival. It's one of Europe's largest in Ireland. Yeah. And that was just fantastic. That is open to anybody. And it was so much fun. They just really loved the artists, took care of us, took us all over the place to paint. And at the end, you have a, a show and I sold my painting. So it paid for me to be there. <laughs> wow. All right, Emily, let's hop on in here. Let's do that with you next year. That was awesome. And that was a well done, well done event. Couldn't believe everything that they did. Plus the pubs every night, the live music, you know, who could not love that in Ireland and the food and the camaraderie and there are people from all over. And it was really totally fun. I want to do that this year, but I have another artist in residency going here in, in July. Where? And boy, I could, you know, I don't mean to go off on tangents. No, it's okay. I love it. Um, no, that, keep talking. Um, that's another good, good tip for your, your uh, artist just getting into it or whatever, or wanting to continue to grow, yeah. which I still always want to as an artist is to apply for residency. So I'm going to Wales um, in July. Oh I'm God. staying in this little stone cottage in the foothills of Snowdonia National Park. I can hike. I can paint. So that was really cool. I applied for that last fall, and, and every year she takes, um, the woman who's running it takes um, artists, you know, a couple artists each month from all over the place. So there's some cool people that I'll probably meet too. That's amazing. How did you find this? Was it, is it resarts.com or is it? I don't know if it was on that. Well, here's what I do sometimes, and I know you've done a lot of art and art traveling and all too. Um, I'm like, well, my son's over there right now. They're my family. His family, part of my family is in England right now. So I had been in Ireland and I had the granddaughters come over while I was there painting and we went sea kayaking. And so then the following summer was like, ah, I got to do this again, but I don't want to, I want to go different places. I wanted to spend time in Wales. So I said, I just put in artist residencies in Wales. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it came up. There we go. And, some really cool stuff about it. Studio Mayor, I'll send you the link. Yeah. So um, really cool. So, and I've done that too. Like, well, you know, residencies or workshops or outdoor plein air painting groups going to Italy. You can find so much stuff just Googling and looking around. But ResArt is also a good source. Okay. And also the wilderness residencies, um, the national park residencies are, 
are wonderful to try to get involved into. Yeah, yeah, you did one, um, was, you did one in Alaska, right? I've done, I've done two now in Alaska. I did the Western Arctic National Parklands, and then I did um, the Prince William Sound, both different. Um, that, uh, I thought, I might have sent you guys a link, but I'll send it again. It's uh, 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 Voices of the Wilderness. It's also run by the Park Service and the um, uh, Forest Service. So the one that I did in Prince William Sound with was, was with the National Forest Service. They provided everything. I went out in a kayak for eight days with a forest ranger that and cruised so to cool. Prince William Sound tented overnight, different places, painted glaciers. Glaciers were calving right beside us. Bears. Well, I mean, you're okay. I live up here, but yeah. still, it was amazing to still, it's always amazing to see that. If it's not, then I need to leave. And, you know, put my, put my paint stuff, you figure out how to carry your little kit in that front of that kayak and a little tripod, tripod easel. Yeah. So that was that one. And again, great, great opportunity. They have about 10 residencies every year. And then the one I did a few years ago was uh, Western Arctic. And um, with that one, I flew in with a, a, a wildlife biologist into the um, park, parkland up there. Um, it's, it's above the Arctic Circle. We flew in on a bush plane. Actually, it was a float plane. We landed right beside the Arctic Ocean in this little waterway. And we camped out there. And uh, we were right around a muskox herd. All I had to, what, what I say all, to me, you always want to give back. So what I did for that one was a painting of these two muskox, which we witnessed, the two bulls fighting over the herd. So that was really cool. And, uh, and the biologist, she was armed. She protected me. We had a polar bear out one night. So there's a lot of excitement and dimension to painting like that. Yes, I feel like you say it. No, one time we had this little, we had this little like public use uh, ranger cabin, and and so we slept in one side, and then the the kitchen was another building. Because when you're in bear country, you really don't always sleep right next to your food source. <laughs> Otherwise, you may become the food source. So. I was out and I had my easel set up and I was about a hundred yards from her and she saw the muskox bull coming, kind of coming over the ridge. She said, well, I'm going to keep an eye on you, Susan, but if I tell you to move, then you need to move. You need to head. I said, oh, okay. So I'm oblivious, having this grand time painting these beautiful little, you know, um, the, the Arctic grasses and the colors in the water and all this. And then I see the muskox has come up over the ridge, like, oh, he's getting a little closer. And then, <laughs> and then meanwhile, Margie calls out, you know, I think, it, I think you need to start coming back this way, Susan. So I moved away from my easel. I didn't have time to pack anything in. I had it out. It was still wet oil, you know, just sitting up there like, <gasps> and, I, and the pallets out and everything. So I moved, uh, like triangulated away from it, kind of trying to circle back to over to where she was. And um, he came right by the easel, right by, these are big guys. These are, you know, they're like the size of buffalo. And he came by <laughs> with his little, you know, coat swaying and he stopped with little horns and looked at it. And I got, I got this photo of him. It's just, cause I did have my camera with me. Thank goodness. It was just so awesome. And then he just kept on going like, hmm, you know, she hasn't <laughs> put me in it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had some of his muskox fur wrapped around the easel after he went by. Wow, that is crazy. Oh my God. So again, that was, the, that was through that program. That was through the Wilderness, uh, Voices of the Wilderness program. That's awesome. So everybody should just go and take your easel outside and see yeah. what happens. Yeah, and, and they welcome that particular, uh, that she... Uh, the, the ranger that started it, and then she got it really going with the National Park Service and the other um, Fire Service, um, mainly those are the two big entities. She's awesome, and she has added about 15 residencies this year, and there are people from all over. There have been people from Eastern Europe, from China. Um, some guy was writing a symphony about the wilderness for the 50-year act of, uh, celebration act of the wilderness and he was from this year somewhere so you just get all kinds and then you know it's still create it's the art so they take all kinds you know they take people that might just want to go out and 
photograph or, or take notes or write a journal or, you know, I went, I was one of their first actual plain air painters. So they were interested on how I handled all that. Yeah. That I wasn't just like, taking a picture and going back to my studio. Then I was doing it right there. I was sitting in the kayak or I was sitting beside the muskox painting. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. How long, so how long were you out there? Just curious, like, I'm just envisioning. So do you get out there? Those like typically, yeah, I was out there about, well, the whole thing was nine days, but it involved the transport getting up there. Um, Alaska is a big place. And just getting to Kotzebue and then taking the plane over to where we stayed. That, you know, it was one day up to Kotzebue and then the next day out on the bush plane. And then, um, so sometimes you have to allow, especially you guys coming from other places, you have to allow for that travel time. But the actual residence itself, I was there seven nights. Oh, wow. <clears throat> okay. Uh, how long do you usually paint for, like, during the day? I'm just curious. Um, anywhere from a couple hours to 14, 10, 14 hours. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. Awesome. It bats, it's bats, I bounce around. It depends on a job. You know, if you got a deadline, you need to get it done. And Yeah. You know. Oh, but, I was getting you know, more like when you're plein air painting, how, like, how long are you? Oh, out there? Out there. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant back to one of your questions. Which nope. I didn't know if I really answered. No, you me. did. You did amazing. Um, <laughs> Oh, I could go all day plainer painting as long as I've got water and some snacks or whatever. Snacks um, are very important. And it depends. <laughs> awesome. Okay, cool. That's. Uh, I love your stories, by the way. Please just keep telling them all. Like I love. Like it's, it's so un like not normal too. Like I, I it's not often you run into a, an artist who's also like, yeah, I went to this like national forest and painted, and a muskox came by. Like it's just, it's not normal. <laughs> uh, another question on here is: so if you could just talk a little bit about your painting process, like are there any like methods or techniques that you've picked up through your years of experience? Oh, yes, definitely. And it's, it's, it's different depending on what you're doing. Yeah. If you're doing a, a, a big mural, like what for Bass Pro, or for, and I learned, actually learned from some of the other muralists at Bass Pro, too, about blocking in, getting it on fast, you know, laying in your, laying in your foreground, your middle ground, your uh, background, you know, colors, getting your values right. So that is what I, what I do to get started quickly for a mural. Um, but like for uh, plain air, I'll, and, and I like to use oil and all for that, is to get out there and capture your shapes and your light and your shadow. Oh. So it's, really, it's different. It depends on what you're doing. Yeah. Um, if you're doing a detailed painting, um, I'm, but I say, but, but when I, the way I work is um, I, I, I change it up a bit. If I'm doing something really heavily detailed, I kind of have uh, laid it out basically um, with underbrush and I mean underpainting first, to, so I know what direction I'm going. Um, but if you got if you're doing a big mural, you want to get that paint on the wall. You want to get you know what colors you're working for and what, what you want to how it, you want it to end up. So I, it, it just depends on the on the on what you're doing. Either painting really quick, a big project, or having to lay out a lot of detail. I don't really sketch much first before painting unless it's an architectural type. Um, yeah. I do it. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. Then I, then I do, then I'm more like, you know, finite on it. Yeah. I got it. Awesome. Yeah. yeah it just, it, it kind of depends too on like the, the size of what you're doing. Yeah, um, right. Let's see. Is there anything you don't like to paint without? That I don't like to paint without. Mm -hmm. A lot of rags. <laughs> <laughs> You've been around me, I'm messy. <laughs> We're all messy. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I have a lot of, I have a, my favorite brushes, so I know what I need and what I have. Um, I, I can't really, I like, I, I don't like to paint without music when I'm inside, okay. but when I'm outside, I don't want anything but just oh. nature. I don't, I don't believe in being out hiking or painting or whatever with headphones. So it's completely opposite. But when I'm inside in my studio, I love my music. I like it. I like it. Awesome. <laughs> You're just one with nature out there. <laughs> um, are there well, any... I want to hear what's coming up on me. <laughs> <laughs> True. Oh, I didn't think about that. 
Uh, oh yeah, you uh, just this is kind of awful. Didn't you like almost get eaten by a bear once or something? Or it was like going to your trash can. Get... Oh no! Oh no! I I walked backwards from a brown bear. Now, um, let me define that real quick. We live in coastal part of Alaska, so it's a grizzly family, but we have coastal brown bears. So we don't call them grizzlies, but they are part of that family. So it was a big brown bear. Um, biologist who have been kind of tracking him up here knew that he was probably around 1200 pound range or whatever he was big yeah. so it was 10 30 at night and i was painting i was up here oh. and my music going my husband's three hours away he's down fishing in the russian river and it was it, he was going to stay down there all night fish they do you know it's summertime in alaska nobody goes to bed at night they just stay out and fish or whatever so um, <laughs> it doesn't get dark. Yeah, okay, it doesn't get dark. How how much darkness do you have up there, like during the summer? Huh? How much darkness do you have up there? Like how many hours? Almost none in June into July. We have a few out. We have like a couple hours of darkness from like two in the morning, one to one two in the morning to about four. It gets dusk, dusky like. Yeah. So it doesn't, but it doesn't get totally dark. Huh. But we're not like it's not it's not quite like. That at the top of the Arctic Circle, you know, and we never get totally dark in the winter. We still get down about four hours of light. We have a lot of snow and light reflected from the snow, so it didn't seem totally dark. Other side of the story. But so this was 1030 at night, and I'd been painting for a while, and John was gone fishing, as is usual during the summer. Mm -hmm. So I just, I need to walk, get out. I need to get out of the studio, I need to walk the dog. And so I took off and I went out our, our property across the road up to this other road and had made the, the, I'd already gone a mile or two with the dog and I thought, well, I need to get back. Well, of course I didn't take my cell phone. I was just like, you know, yeah. bolted out of the studio. I gotta get, get, go, go for this, get some air. And on the way back down towards our crossroad, which is in front of where our house was, um, again, it was like, you know, 11, 12 o'clock at night. I saw from a distance, I saw this brown blur come out into the road. It was a good little ways from me, but it was in the road, the road that I had to go down to get to my house. And so then as I look further, then I see some other little dogs from a neighbor's house have come out and down their driveway and they're circling this big, big bear. <laughs> and he's just swatting at them like they're flies. So my dog, who is a Malamute and has good wildlife sense, she stopped and just kind of positioned herself in front of the bear and um, dropped head, they kind of position. They don't, they posture like a wolf. They don't really bark and just kind of emitted a low growl and stopped in front of the bear. And then the bear starts, has moved my, my way. So definitely, you know, I could see it. Yeah, that he's coming my, my direction now. I didn't have a lot of choices because if I had gone to the right or the left off the road, I would be in brush, thick brush. Um, couldn't tell where a neighbor's driveway was. It was clear enough that I would have good visibility on the bear to go up to somebody's house where I was. I knew I needed to walk back up the road behind me where I knew there was an open driveway up there. Yeah. It would be hard for everybody to visualize this, but the, the properties are kind of far apart. So as, as I stood, I, I froze when I saw the bear, of course. <laughs> I didn't approach him and I didn't run. I didn't turn around and scream. I guess I was in shock, but I just kind of stood there. And then, and then I did what fishing game will tell you, you know, you, you yell, like I said, get out of here, bear, go away, bear. And you use your human voice to try to let them know that you're something different in nature than what they normally see or hear. And sometimes they'll just leave. But he decided to come my way, but he wasn't, didn't seem to be interested in, my, in me per se. It seemed like he had a mission, but it happened to be in the same direction. <laughs> so, so the dog and I started walking backwards and we just maintained our, our distance the whole time. I just, I just kept on walking backwards saying, get out of here, bear, you know, go away way there and um, kept my eye on kind of the back area where I could turn into a driveway and, and get help. Finally, uh, I got up to that driveway and, and, and the dog was awesome. The dog just stayed right with me, right next to me, keeping the stick, but walk backwards too, keeping the eye on the bear. When we got 
down the driveway. Then I bolted for the door and I'm yeah. beating on the door. And this poor teenage boy opens the door and I'm like, bear. And he's like, get in. You say bear, they open the door. Yeah, come in. <laughs> and we slammed the door and we looked out the window and the bear's lumbering down the driveway of the house that I had just jumped inside. But then we stopped at the garage that was as, uh, detached before coming into our house. And then the kids looking, I said, oh, that was probably the bear that got into our trash last night. <laughs> uh, they were working. And I'm like, oh, great. You guys left trash out? Oh, man. Oh. Like, yeah, no wonder. And it was more like construction. Yeah. It wasn't, but, you know, he, he's like, yeah, I just tore up the whole inside of the garage. Like, oh, great. Well, he has a good memory. So um, then about that time, and, and of course, the dog, the, our, our dog had jumped in the house with us, with me. Good. So about that time, then the parent hit gravel spewing, and, and, I, and about that time, we see his parents come flying down the, the driveway. They had seen, it was gravel driveway, and they had seen the bear entering their property. So they're, they're, you know, honking the horn and everything. And then the bear took off. Oh, good. So that was good. And then yeah. I said, can you put me in the back of the pickup, me and my dog, and drive me home? <laughs> yeah. That is not. And I went, I went back and clocked it later on. I measured the distance and I had walked a quarter of a mile backwards oh. from this bear. <laughs> I bet your heart was just pounding. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't paint. I didn't paint again that night. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's something you just don't see <laughs> around here very often or ever. Uh, we've had very few bad encounters, but we did have a neighbor killed a year last year. So wow, being, you know, you, you can get kind of like lackadaisical and complacent living up here. I've had encounters like that. I've, I've had them walk right by us while we we're fishing and not even care. But then, you know, a guy up the road went, went to his mailbox and, and that was it. Wow. That was last summer. Oh and God. he lived here. He was, he was Alaskan. He was savvy. But um, he must have gotten in the way of a sow and her cubs. Wow. Gosh, that's so sad. Oh, that's bad. That's Maybe. bad. So we, we should we should move on and talk about some more. Okay, stuff. yeah. Uh, Samantha says, wow. <laughs> I think we're all saying wow, <laughs> Samantha. Just everything. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Are there any art lessons you've learned the hard way? Um, one thing that I have learned is to really maintain your sight and be aware of where everything is. Um, this is well, this is more of a technical logistical thing where, I, you know, um, like I've come down off the ladder and stepped into a can of paint. Oh, you know, and yeah. That type of thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been painting overhead and forgotten my goggles and then gotten a dollop of paint like right here. And, oh, you know. yeah. <laughs> so that kind of thing. But also uh, lessons, a good, a good lesson for me as far as light and outdoors and outdoor painting but uh, when I went to the Grand Canyon and, and did an outdoor painting workshop there we started in the morning and I had this great thing going on my canvas but then the sun kept changing mm -hmm. as you've been to, you've been to places like the Grand Canyon the sun is moving across and the light keeps changing and I keep trying to capture that whereas I just needed to get it on quickly in the morning, pull out another canvas and keep going because by four o'clock in the afternoon, it was a mess because I had changed my light and my direction the whole day trying to chase the sun. So I learned that from outdoor painting. Just get in, get your colors. I mean, your light, your shadow, your shapes blocked in and stop. <laughs> oh. Do your final work. I'm not saying not finishing up the detail, but don't keep changing the light on your in your when you're working outdoors that's a really good tip i would have no idea okay yeah. so you well, you know like watching cloud clouds and all you can't keep constantly oh. adding another cloud you know that all right that one's there that's good stop <laughs> yeah so a, a lot of that applies to other types of things in my work too is like knowing when to stop okay okay yeah okay so do you pick that up again the next day when it's like the same type of sun or is it just if you can if you can you you could if you didn't feel like you had really finished it 
um, I, I have done that or I have just moved on to something else. And then I've used that as a study. If I'm going to take it back to the studio, I do field studies. And from that moment, I've caught that light. I've caught that the way I want it. I can do a larger canvas. So that is often what I find valuable in outdoor painting. And that's not necessarily going to always be a finished painting. Sometimes it is, but sometimes I decide that I want to do something more with this. <clears throat> awesome. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Good. Good. I wouldn't have even thought about that. Um, do you have a favorite past project? I, I, I love so many of the projects that we've been involved in. Mm -hmm. uh, I love the underwater world as a diver and being involved with that for so long. Um, I loved what we did with Bass Pro, the underwater uh, painting. But probably I would go back to one of my first ones where you have ten, done something in, in a, hard, a very depressing building institution and then changed that and made it more of a, a place, you know, that people at least could escape in their minds and feel better about. So probably one of my, some of my first hospital projects or my favorites. Those are my and favorite I, stories. And I, and I yeah. yeah, but there, you know, you know how it is. You put your heart into everything, mm -hmm. and so each time um, I've done something, I feel there's something special thing I've gained from that particular piece. Yeah, what I've been, what I've put out there, and then you know how it's received. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Amazing, awesome. Um, what are your future art plans and goals? Like, what are you working on right now, and what's What's ahead? Um, what do you have planned? Uh, okay, um, just briefly, I did get the one uh, percent for the hospital in uh, uh, northwestern Alaska. Then that will be a big, a triptych of big canvases. Um, they haven't given me the exact size yet, but I'm thinking they'll probably be at least four by six or four by eight high, and three of them. And it's going to be. I like to do these macro paintings of tundra. If you ever look at tundra up close. There's a lot of patterns and, and, and they, uh, the facility um, wanted me to really bring in the healing plants of the tundra. And the native community uses uh, so much, the Labrador tea, the big, of course, the berries. Um, this is just a quick mock-up. It's not what, what the, it's just partly what, like, I don't know if you could see it, but like yeah. all the different things that are going on in the tundra. So it will have a lot of the, the bearberry leaves. Um, uh, we have lots of really, uh, you know, interesting varieties of plants that grow low to the ground and they, they're cool patterns. Um, and there's also fireweed, crowberries, wild cranberries, uh, things that, then, that we uh, eat too, you know. Again, there's a lot of uh, healing properties and it means a lot to that particular community. So that's gonna be a, a big deal as far as time consuming, very detailed, very fun. Yeah. And that will be done in the next uh, few months. I have basically about six months to complete that one. And then I have a hospital commission down in Reno, Nevada. It's a children's uh, war, a facility. It's actually a, a troubled teen uh, unit. Uh, there was one up here some of the work I get also by word of mouth and the uh, nursing director that was up here took over as the CEO of the hospital in Reno and she contacted me. So I'll do that, hopefully, uh, later this summer. And then I work out the, uh, the fun stuff like the residency yeah. in between. Staying busy. I love it. You're always doing something. Either you're always on a new project or you're always traveling. Like I always see like you and Melvin going to the Belize two weeks ago. I'm like, you guys. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, same to you. I know. I know. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> you know, you do art sometimes to travel or sometimes you travel to do art. <laughs> exactly. So a final question. I think you kind of answered this already a little bit, maybe with doing like um, do stuff for free. Um, but is there any advice that you would give to artists who want to make art their full-time career, but just don't know where to start, mm -hmm. like a good starting point? Uh Several things, okay. um, you know, get, work on your portfolio, have a website, keep that website up to date. And I 
here I am. I should, I'm not the last one, last one that should be saying this because I know I need to do that myself. I get slack on that. But, you know, that's what helped me get the job with uh, Bass Pro, I think, is I had just updated my website that weekend before I knew they were looking at Anchorage Muralist. And then I contacted them. They had something fresh to look at. Um, I mentioned earlier doing some things for gratis, you know, find a community project, get involved, uh, even organize one yourself, you know, get a bunch of kids together and maybe do something to change a, a, a wall in the school, like your butterflies. Yeah. <laughs> Doing things like that, you know, to get a t it brings you out there into the limelight um, and you may get other jobs again from that. Um, so, so simple things like that. Don't be afraid to get as many shows as you can. Um, that works on your Keep your resume going. Uh, shows that you're an active artist, that you're participating in a lot of different things. Try different things, you know. Um, we had, a, for instance, we had a raven show up here. I love ravens. But I never really painted ravens. But, you know, it was a really cool show. Uh, a lot of the local artists came out, and, then, and they had their own inter interpretations of ravens. And, you know, you, you might sell some things there and then, you know, meet other artists. Join the local guilds. Uh, Artist and Melvin Brent brought this up too. So important, we're a sharing uh, open type of community, I think. Mm -hmm. Certainly, I have found that in Alaska. Um, we go out and paint together, we critique each other, we help each other, we support each other. We may come up with a cool idea for carrying an easel or whatever that somebody else hadn't seen before. And, and then we do shows together. So, uh, yeah, join, join your guilds, be active in your community. And uh, just keep going. Yeah. Keep painting. Keep painting. Keep putting yourself out there. You're a great example of that, too. Yes. I love it. Awesome. Well, I loved your stories. Thank you so much for coming on here. I really appreciate you taking an hour of your time um, to talk to all of I'm sure you inspired someone to either to go paint outside or to get involved or anything. But yeah, I, just, I thank you so much for your time. And I really hope we get to work together again sometime. Soon. Oh, me too, Andrea. It was such a blast. Yeah. I gained so much from, from all my experiences with you and Same. the other artists. It was, again, good community. Yes, definitely, definitely. <laughs> well, I'll let you go, but thank you again. Have a good night. You too. Good night. Good night. Bye. <laughs> it's still, it's, it's, hey, we got like five more hours of daylight here. Oh, I'm going out. <laughs> it's dark here, so we're, I'm going to bed. <laughs> All right. Good night. All right. Good night. It was Bye. fun. It was a ton of fun. Same. This episode is sponsored by the Artist Academy Advanced Membership, a program for artists who want to up-level their art game by taking it from a hobby or a side hustle to a full-time art business. I've been a professional artist for over five years with paintings in several different countries and a client list that includes high profile companies such as Bass Pro, O'Reilly's, Duck Commander, and many, many more. So I figured out what it takes to build an art business. And now my heart is set on teaching aspiring artists like you to do the same. Go to advancedmember.com. That's advancedmember.com to learn more. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Also, if you ever want to join us live and have your questions answered in real time by myself or featured guests, then just hop on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Artist Academy every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I'll see you next week.